Hello and welcome to Irreverent Testimony brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast by Inform Millennial and Gen Extra Types from a left-wing perspective. It is Saturday, February 9th, 2019. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. It is a balmy 38 degrees right now, which is like summer for what we've had recently. Yes. I know we're complaining like half the country's in a deep freeze. It's been really fucking cold. (laughs) (laughs) That it has. And it snowed. The other day, and since it's been too cold for the snow to melt, which I, I feel like live in Boston, you're like, what are you complaining about? Right. That's our life six months of the year, or you know, three months of the year at least, but it kind of sucks because we had, has, it, the weather had been so nice <laughs> for yeah. the most part. We got spoiled, uh, but you know, that's climate change. It's going to be weird, and there we are. Um, yeah, it's like an ice skating rink outside. Yeah, it sucks, uh, especially when you're driving around, but, you know, whatever. So, uh, a lot is going on. We have so much to get to, uh, but we're going to start with a movie review. Yes. We went to see a movie last night. We did. Um, we went to see On the Basis of Sex, the RBG movie, and uh, what'd you think, Rach? Um, I loved it, and... Uh, I thought there were a couple things that I didn't love, but for the most part, I thought it was really great. Mm-hmm. Um, it does not go into detail about the sort of most famous um, beginning of RBG's uh, right. career. No, it that only kind of talks about the beer case. Yeah, right? it, well, there's a lot of famous cases, and they kind of focus on this one almost obscure. Yeah, in terms of her, and I'm not sure why they chose to focus on that one. But it was interesting nonetheless. Um, I think it was just that it was at the very, very, very beginning of her career. Yeah. Um, when, you know, she was one of like three women who were allowed to go to law school. Um, and right. And sort of like what that was like for her and, and focusing on that part of her life, which we don't often hear a lot about. Um, yeah, it, it, it's not a complete picture by any means, and you couldn't. That would be like no. a 40 hour anthology. Yeah. <laughs> so you should make a show about it. Right, like, right. It, no. it carves out just this. Um, I mean, it, it, it spans like several decades, but it basically shows her getting into Harvard Law School, her doing that, her husband getting sick, and then her having to go to Columbia, and then basically, basically making her start over. Mm-hmm. At Columbia, which she did, mm-hmm. and then the first case where she uses, uh, in in order to get her foot in the door for a sex discrimination case, she did several of these. Most famously, the beer case, which if you don't know, you know, look that up. But this was a case in which a not to give away too much of the movie, but uh, a guy right here in Denver tried to get a tax deduction for being the primary caregiver for his elderly mother. And they said, basically, no, you're a man and a man can't be a caregiver. Right. And, you know, even in the, at the time in the, in the, it was like 1970, it sounds so asinine, but that was the law on the books. Right. And, the, and so men she, could yeah. never claim a tax or caregiver tax reduction or tax credit because men can't be caregivers. <laughs> it's crazy. And they focused on the idea that he was never married. And that was like the crux of the case. Well, if he's an unmarried man, if he's a bachelor, then it's couldn't it be possible? As though had he been a married man, it yeah, wouldn't have been it's, possible. It's like, his that's fault, how like, far like you're required to be married. No, like, if you are married, then you could because your wife would claim it. 
But right. the fact that he was a bachelor meant that he would have to claim it because there was no woman that was being a caregiver. I mean, that's how far we've come in some ways. Yeah. It's like, yeah, and, that, and, and, and it that wasn't was absolutely a slam dunk. undisputed. No, not at all. She it was absolutely to, undisputed. Like, she had to convince an appellate court, like, hey, this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Antiquated, and it doesn't make any sense. And she won, and that and was one of the cases that got the ball rolling. Tried the case with her husband, who was a tax attorney. Yes. Because um, so, it was a tax code thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he sort of flubbed uh, everything and didn't do very well. And um, then she sort of stepped up and and sort of won the case for them both. Um, it's interesting because I read a, a report that she had some part in writing the screenplay for this um, movie or that she had like some kind of editorial control over it. And the yeah. first one that they wrote... Um, painted him in this very different light than who Martin Ginsburg actually was. Um, they tried to make him this sort of like 1950s, 60s, you know, stereotype of a husband who is sort of bitter about his wife being successful and like kind of a chauvinist and whatever. And That's she ridiculous. was just like, I mean- <laughs> um, no, stop. Back the fuck up. Uh, the only reason that I'm successful is because my husband took care of our kids and made us dinner and like literally was a house husband yeah. in addition to being a tax lawyer. Yeah, you don't you don't need to inject that sort of uh, conflict to make this script interesting. I mean, well, there's <laughs> like, not only do you not need it, but this is not a fiction. This is a true story about people who are still alive and exist. Yeah, and if you know anything about RBG's story, like you know that's not Martin Ginsburg. Martin like, Ginsburg was like just his wife's biggest fan. Yeah. Absolutely. And just thought that she was more brilliant than he was and more brilliant than almost anyone and like just poured himself into supporting her in her career and um was just proud of her. And she I guess really pushed back and was like, you are not making this movie about me. If you make my husband this way, that's just not true. Yeah. It just isn't the fact. I liked that the movie got kind of in the weeds on some of the legal stuff. Yes. And I thought like, mm, I wonder if people are going to be bored by this, but I, but we weren't. No, it was fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it was a good movie. Uh, yeah. Definitely worth seeing. It's, it's an Jones incomplete. Amazing. She was really good, which is surprising because other stuff I've seen her in. She wasn't that great, especially the star Wars movie, but she was really good in this. She was great. And, um, yeah, uh, go see it, but don't expect it to be like a full comprehensive look. It, it is a it is a slice of RBG's life. Right. Um, I would recommend the documentary about her more. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I both. It see was. Both. I mean, see both. See anything. She's amazing, and she has a little cameo in the end that made me cry. Um, so anyway, I love her, and uh, I thought it was it was fun for me to see a case that I had never heard of before. And watch how that played out. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was great. Okay. So, moving on from there, what else were we? Well, we got a lot. God, I have <laughs> literally wanna... this giant list of things, and I have an hour and a half. So, Where do you want to start? Um, I feel like I want to start with Virginia. Okay. Because there's just, it's just melting the fuck, the whole state is just melting down. It's a shit show. Um, so, I'm sure you all, I'm not going to get into like, let's explain everything, like the blackface thing, right? Uh, the governor of Virginia, Northam, had this uh, yearbook photo. Yeah, we, part we of covered his yearbook page, right? Yeah. That's that happened, and everyone was like, "Oh, he's going to be out." And then um, there was an accusation of sexual assault by who would have been his um, predecessor or his uh, the, the next governor, Justin Fairfax. 
the lieutenant governor. The lieutenant governor. Um, that happened this week. And then today, there was another accusation of sexual assault. Yes. Um, by Fairfax. And they both sound very credible, and there's so, no reason not to believe them. There's no reason not to believe anybody, usually. But um, this, I think, bears some talking about. Mm-hmm. Because it's hard. Um, and it's also unsurprising. Right? I mean... Men are men, whether they are Democrats or Republicans or, or conservatives or, or black or white or liberal or whatever. And I think I've said this a million times, but there can't be a Me Too movement and then no men did anything. <laughs> right. Right. And so every man, I think, probably, every man that exists, probably in some way, um, has someone who thinks that about them. That's something that has happened in their life, right? And maybe not in in these specific ways. Like Justin Fairfax, the first accuser, was this professor um, who, interestingly, um, has spent a lot of her... I mean, maybe it's not that interesting. Maybe it's very, like, because this happened to her, um, has spent a lot of her career focusing on sexual violence Mm -hmm. uh, against women. And... um, yeah, they were in a hotel room in 2004 uh, for the DNC in Boston, and he... No, I thought it was much more recent than that. I no. thought it was 2016. No, it was 2004. Okay. Um, and in at the DNC in Boston, and um, they were in a hotel room, and he started kissing her, and she was very fine with that, very happy about that. Um, and then things progressed really quickly, and uh, he forced her to give him oral sex, during which she cried the entire time. Um, he admits that all of those things are true, although he says that it was consensual. Um, then the response from him, I think is most telling uh, about how truthy it is, which I think it's absolutely happened. Um, Mm -hmm. He came after her immediately and said that, like, it was absolutely untrue and it was consensual and he'd never done anything like that in his life and he would never. Um, And then he started attacking her and said that, um, like, as a sexual assault educator, she did this uh, video talking about um, sexual violence. And in it, in 2007, so three years later, um, she talked about how she had been molested as a kid. Um, And he was like... Well, she did this video, and she didn't mention me, and it was three years later, so clearly it didn't happen. (laughs) Right. Okay. Well, no. (laughs) Right? It's not how that works. Not how that works. And then this other woman came forward just today and said that he raped her. I think it was last night. um, Maybe it was last night, yeah. Yeah. Um, At Duke, at a frat party, um, and that she... Again, like it sort of started consensually and then she was like telling him no and trying to get up and he kept forcing her down and he raped her. Yeah. And uh, there's sort of some corroborating evidence that that is true and that she told a bunch of people that it happened. And then um, in 2016, when he was running for lieutenant governor, uh, a person who went to Duke with her invited her to a fundraiser for him. Um, And she replied back in an email that we have evidence of from her lawyer 
that she said, Justin raped me in college. Please take me off of any further communication about him. I will not be attending any fundraisers that have anything to do with him. Like, please, please, please don't. Mm-hmm. Like, take me off the list. Mm-hmm. And so this is before any of this, right? So I don't know how much corroborating evidence there ever is about rape and sexual assault, but to me that seems pretty uh, pretty sound, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Thoughts? Well, uh, there's little reason not to believe these women. There's um, no reason. Yeah. There's, there's none I could think of. So... And they don't seem to know each other. They don't, you know, there, there's, there's nothing that sort of links them because he's, he, he is literally taking the Kavanaugh defense and saying this is an or, or orchestrated smear campaign mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And I, I guess I can understand why he's doing it because it worked for Kavanaugh. Uh, the problem is he's in the wrong party to get away with that. Um, we don't take kindly to rapists. No, no. And, and he, he doesn't have are. anybody on his side. The, the Black Caucus of Virginia last night said he had to go. And then this morning, uh, one of the leading uh, leaders of the House of Delegates, which is like the, you know, the the state house in Virginia. Yeah. yeah. Basically came out and said he needs to he needs to resign or we're going to impeach him. Now, the impeachment yeah. process of a lieutenant governor of Virginia is really complicated. It's not easy. Um, so there's a chance Fairfax could call that bluff, but it just seems to me he is, he is even toastier than the governor is at this point. Yes. Um, yes. And, and he should be, but he, he could also, he seems to be just a total entitled prick. So he could make this really ugly and be like, oh, well I'm getting forced out, but look, the white governor isn't like, he could really make this ugly. And I think he might, because I think, unfortunately, look, these are Democrats here and Guess what? Our party is not immune from really horrible people climbing up the ranks. Nope. Not only do we know that exhibited with this in history, like we also know personally. Yes. <laughs> There's people we happen to know that have yeah. the D next to their name that are not great people. Yes. You know, I mean, we've never pretended that our, our part, just because you are part of the party means that you are um, beyond reproach. Right. And, and you know, our are just a great person and it's fine and we're going to have your back no matter what because you're at our party. No, that's not how it works. That's not how we do things. And, you know, it sucks because both Northam and Fairfax have really pretty incredible records of, you know, rallying for civil rights yeah, and, yeah. and Legislatively, racial they've, justice they've and did like the, the, the all right kinds things. of things. But personally, they but that doesn't are... mean that that they're not racist or rapists. Yes. And, and to make matters worse now, the third in line, the AG, it, he had to come out and be like, yeah, I kind of did the blackface thing too. Like he tried to like steal everybody's thunder, right? <laughs> like it's probably going to come out. There's going to be a picture yeah. of when I did blackface. I did it. Sorry. Um, and kind of people were like, oh, that, like that was a big thing. And then this, the second accuser came forward with Fairfax. And like, it's not that surprising to me. Like, it's not like you rape somebody once and then you're just like, oh, hmm. Like, there's never, it's usually not just one person. No, it's never right? just one. And so, this guy's MO seems to be like, well, I got you in the room. Right. And we, we we started to kiss or make out, and now you've consented to everything else. And can we talk about that for just a quick Yeah, check? absolutely. Consent? Yeah. Um, it's tricky. And it it isn't tricky, but it can seem tricky, right? Well, the best way to describe it, I think, is it's a continuum. Yes. It is not a you know, green or red light. Right. It is 
I'm consenting to this right now. Yes. And when we talk about enthusiastic consent, what we mean is I don't want to be doing something that I figure is probably okay with you. I want you to be like, yes, I would like to do that. Mm-hmm. Yes, please. That sounds lovely. This is good. I like this, right? right? Not just like, well, she's not crying or she's crying, but she hasn't like punched me in the face yet, right? It needs to be enthusiastic consent, meaning everybody's having a really good time. It, everybody's it, it, not having a really good time, then why do you want to be doing it? It should be common sense, right? Like think back to when you were a kid and they talked about the bases. Like, have you gotten a first base? Have you gotten a second base? Well, like the reason that that there is a a hierarchy of steps is is that it is not just okay. You have decided to have some level of physical intimacy with me, which means I'm now entitled to do everything. That's right. insane. Right. Right. It is insane. But yet, yet, legally, that is a defense that many men have used and have gotten away with. Oh, well, you, you went up to his hotel room? Oh, well, you walked into his dorm room? Well, then all you bets are off. You started making out? All bets are off. Then he can do whatever he wants to. What? That's insane. Right. Even in, like, long-term romantic relationships. Marriages. Marriages. There is still, for me... A constant question of consent, right? Always. We, can, we always, always get one another's consent. Yes. Always. Always. Do you want to be doing this? Would you like to go do this? Is this a thing that you like? Now, obviously, if you've been together with somebody long enough, you can communicate via body language or whatever. Like, I mean, there's some common sense stuff that goes with this, but certainly if it's uh, someone you're new with, uh, first time you're alone with somebody, or like, I mean, my point is, Yes, you always need consent, but like in the most obvious of cases like this, which seems to be with with this Fairfax guy, that, you know, ostensibly these are... Pseudo strangers. Yeah. Acquaintances. People he's never had sexual contact with before and gets them in the room. He's a handsome guy. He's charming. He's well-spoken. He's, you know, um, smart. He's funny, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll make out with you. Maybe we'll like go kiss for a minute or something, right? But then that doesn't mean that like, oh, I then that's it. Now whatever my body want. is your body. Yes. You get to do with it whatever you would like. Me crying and saying no and pushing you away from me doesn't matter because I decided to kiss you in a room. Right, and and it it it, it could very well be that mindset. Some of these men have this. It's almost on the verge of like psychopathy, where no, 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 you you walked into my room. Now I. You, I can do whatever you consented to do whatever you want, and how dare you accuse me of rape? Because you you crossed that threshold, and right. now I have the right to do all this. You even, by the way, have the right to withdraw your consent during an act. Yep, absolutely. If you decide at some point during a sexual act that you don't like what's going on, or you just don't feel like doing it anymore, or you're just kind of over it, you're allowed to be like, "I'm done doing this." Then, now. Yeah, can you and then stop. the person that you're doing the thing with has to be like, "Okay, yes." That's okay. That's a thing that has happened to me. I have also done it. To anybody who has had enough sex. That is not a crazy thing. No, you're just like, oh, you're you're done? Okay. Or like, "Mm, I don't want to do this anymore. Okay. Right. Right? Um, And I think there's a lot to be said about like how, you know, gender and, and how people are socialized and how hard it is to say no, how hard it is to withdraw your consent. Um that men are not really taught to like 
know that or read body language. Like there's a lot going into this. But I think in Justin Fairfax's case, um, these are pretty straightforward consent violations. And what that makes it is sexual assault and rape. So he's got to go. Um, yes, he does. And it sucks because he was really good at his job. But I don't care about that. No, the governor's got to go. Yes. Uh, the lieutenant I, or the AG's got to go. <laughs> Especially so, because, you know, and, given and that means what's could, been happening yeah. in Virginia with Charlottesville and everything else, like, it sucks because, like, Northam was such a, like, you know, proponent yeah, of Yeah, these they're things. all Democrats and, and it throws a lot of things into chaos and there's fear, oh, well, now you could actually, despite the will of the people, you could have a Republican governor. And I'm like... Okay, that that is mess number two to try to figure out and sort out. Mess number one is that you have racists and rapists yes. at the top of the, you know, the head of the Capitol here, and that cannot stand. Right. So I don't have any good answers for how to proceed in Virginia. I don't also, I also don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I don't live in Virginia. I have friends who do. Virginia yes. is an interesting, complicated place. It has, though in the last several years really turned kind of solidly blue yeah. used to be considered a swing state. I really don't think it is anymore. Right. Uh, and we have a problem as a party in that we have three men. We have a problem <laughs> as a society. Well, we certainly do, but like specifically right now in Virginia, we have a big, big problem and there's a lot to figure out and hopefully they do. Um, right. So, Okay. Um, uh, kind of leaning on this a little bit, but going entirely a different way. Mm -hmm. um, the president of Sierra Leone came out uh, in the last couple of days um, to say that rape is a national crisis in their country. Mm. Um, and I didn't know what to make of that other than I sort of knew that that was a thing that happened but apparently there was this horrifying case of a five-year-old girl who was raped by her uncle mm -hmm. and during the course of that he crushed her spine and she is now paralyzed um and alive and it caused such outrage and i can't even uh, um but it caused such like public outrage in the country that the president came out and was like okay this is a thing we're gonna deal with it finally um, it seems to me, it seems to me by reading what I read that, um, there just seems to be like a general level of indifference about rape. Um, they, most of the rapes that are reported are, um, of girls younger than 15. Mm -hmm. The president spoke about that, about how this is just sort of like a culture of this is what we do to young women. Um, he called for all, uh, medical professionals to treat uh, rape victims for free mm -hmm. um, and that the previous maximum sentence that you could receive for raping a child was 15 years um, and is now a life sentence Good. Um, and that it's really becoming it, sort of this groundswell thing happened and it's become something that's on the forefront of people's minds in that country and I, I think that's good I don't know yeah. I, I don't know well, but, Sierra Leone is one of those countries that, you know, if you don't know much about it, it's due to colonialism and a lot of other things. Yeah. It's been war torn and, yeah. and unstable. And unfortunately, a lot in a lot of these places where you have these constant war and civil war, a lot of these 
these armies, whether they are state-backed or rebels, they they use rape as a form of terrorism to, yeah. to terrorize yeah. their tool of the war. other side. It's a tool of war. Mm-hmm. And so I think that has caused this cultural phenomenon where it has become sort of normalized and accepted. And Sierra right. Leone is not an exception. Right. Um, there's many, many nations that act that way, many societies and cultures. Right. So that was interesting. I had not heard about that. Yeah. And, you know, I know, you know, in India, obviously, there's been a huge yes. movement and across the Middle East of pushing back against yeah. uh, just the, the sort of like, widespread rape yeah, culture. Yeah, exactly. And like just this sort of like, well, that's just what happens to women and that's what men get to do. Um, yeah. And so I guess that's good. Um, but, you know. Well, it's bold. It, Hor- it, horrifying. It, it's bold. I'm, I'm, I'm certain that the president of Sierra Leone is a guy. Yes. Um, and so, yes. you know, it is, yeah. it, is a, it is a bold statement. So, good. Yeah. I mean, it takes something like the crushing of a spine of a five-year-old being raped by her uncle. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, what the fuck is wrong with men? My Ugh, God. So much. What's next on the list? Oh God, I don't know. What do you want to talk about? I mean, let's let's talk about Bezos, Bezos and Pecker. Okay. The newest uh, buddy cop movie. Oh my God. Okay, so a couple <laughs> weeks ago, Jeff Bezos announced he was getting divorced, right, from his wife of like twenty five years. Was that a couple weeks ago? I thought yeah. that was months ago. Um, I think it was. I think the way time, time moves. Yeah, yeah, I think it was a couple weeks ago. All right. And people were like, "Well, oh, hmm." Yeah, um, gives a shit. I don't give a fuck. I don't care. Um, and then it sort of things started percolating. And we found out that uh, maybe the reason for that split wasn't just like, we don't get along anymore. But maybe it was because he'd been fucking around and cheating on his wife. And the reason that maybe she found out about that, we now found out, is because of the National Enquirer, who somehow got a hold of his private... Text messages. Um, text messages, emails, f- f- cell phone pictures, mm-hmm. um, and then was blackmailing him uh, with those things, That which is on its own, just full stop right there, fucking crazy. But if you don't know this, Jeff Bezos <laughs> owns, right, like Amazon, but Amazon also, he's the owner of the Washington Post, mm-hmm. which... It's interesting on its own, but the Washington Post has been doing a lot of reporting about the corruption in Saudi Arabia, particularly around the murder or assassination of Jamal Khashoggi. One of their own. One of their own reporters who was murdered by the Saudi Arabian government. Mm -hmm. And the Washington Post has been very dogged in that investigation and very, like, cutthroat. We're going to fucking figure out what happened and we're not letting this go because it's one of their own reporters who was brutally like murdered and dismembered and Mm -hmm. like it was a horrible thing okay so the national inquirer starts leaning on jeff bezos who's the owner of the washington post with private text messages and pictures and emails to stop investigating saudi arabia or else i don't know if that is exactly what their demand was their demand i think was more Vague than that, it was. It was they wanted Bezos to make some sort of statement that whatever AMI was doing, that's the group that owns the Inquirer, was not politically motivated. And Specific to Saudi Arabia, though. I yes, um, but that, that's very weird. It still doesn't make sense to me that 
Had Bezos made a statement like that, everybody would have been like, what is that about? What does that mean? Why would he say that? Well, because they weren't in like the Washington Post hasn't been dogged about the AMI or the National Enquirer. They haven't been talking about them at all. They've been talking about Saudi Arabia. Well, they've been covering them just in terms of like there there was the, uh, the, the, the Michael Cohen stuff. Right. And, yeah. But like that wasn't their request. It was that like. No, but let's back up a little and explain this. Right. Uh, AMI the uh, did this really glossy, big spread on uh, Mohammed bin Salman, the, the Saudi prince. Uh, I don't know, a year ago or so, and talked about what a great reformer he was, and mm-hmm. isn't he great, and he's mm-hmm. he's the new face of the modern Saudi Arabia, and there's this giant puff piece that was The very, National Enquirer, which is very, like, why? They, they want to run well, it, bits it, about, like, you know, fucking... Brangelina, yeah. Yeah. But, but look, this was very obviously a, a paid brochure, basically. Right. To try to get to an American, to a Western audience. Mm-hmm. And it was obvious. And everyone was just kind of like, that's weird, but whatever, you know. And then, you know, Trump is doing the crystal ball thing with him. And mm-hmm. uh, so, yes, the, the, the tendrils are interesting and weird. And the weirder part is, um, but what Bezos basically did was call their bluff at this yeah. point. And this was only, I think, like a day or two ago yeah. that they sent an email saying, these are our demands or we're going to publish your dick pics. And he basically said, okay, well, I'm He pulled going a letterman public. and was like, okay. I mean, my dick pics are not more important than, like, journalism and democracy. So if you want to do that, do it. But I'm going to say that that's what you're doing. Yeah, I understand. We're not huge Jeff Bezos fans. No. He's a, he's a billionaire and, you know, he relies on uh, really awful labor practices to build his empire. And, you know, yes. billionaires don't need to exist, period. <laughs> Yes. So it's not that we're huge Jeff Bezos fans, but we can objectively say like what he did here was pretty ballsy, no pun intended. To to, but the the crazy thing to me is AMI and David Pecker like like they didn't seem to anticipate this move at all. No, like they're they're just like okay. I now, think they're really used to blackmailing people and sure, it working. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Right, because we're hearing they've been doing this to a bunch more people, and now other people are gonna maybe come forward, but. Yeah, yeah, like they didn't stop and think like, what if he just exposes our blackmail and extortion Right. when we have just signed this thing with the Justice Department that says we promise not to commit any more crimes or we will go to prison for a long time. Right. And there's a Trump connection to this. Well, obviously, yeah. Right. I mean, like there's a lot of tendrils that we've been unspooling, but like, okay, so we have there's Trump and then we have the AMI, which is the National Enquirer, like their parent group, right? Mm -hmm. Paying off women right buying their stories right to, to never publish to them. never publish them yes to protect the president so what that means is it's called catch and kill yeah catch and kill i'm gonna buy this story i'm gonna buy exclusive rights to it you have to sign this thing that says you're not gonna tell anyone else this story and mm-hmm. then i'm never gonna publish it and i'm not gonna publish it because i want to benefit the president right or and the then if you do say anything we can sue you mm-hmm. and and now so in the crazy age that, of Trump. and then and then this weird saudi arabia connection which obviously is political right mm-hmm. like why do they like the saudi arabians so much doesn't make any sense unless there's another thing trump's like hey by the way david pecker would you and it ties into kushner kushner yep. who's gotten yep. huge loans from uae and, then, and the saudis and then they decide like there's too much heat on the saudis somebody in the trump administration or who knows decides there's too much pressure on the saudis we've got business dealings with them we've got whatever with them mm-hmm. Washington Post is doing too good of a job. Let's find out how we can make them stop doing that. And 
the way they decided to do that was to go after the owner of the Washington Post, Jeff Bezos, mm-hmm. and his dick pics. So I don't know <laughs> yeah. where all the connections are. We don't know yet. This yeah, is like there's a, a barely a lot brand new baby story, but yeah. like that's the basic connections that I can make. There's a lot to unravel. A lot will be unraveled. The interesting <clears throat> part is the security firm, the security team that Bezos had hired, I don't know, a month or two ago to sort of figure this out when he realized like those pictures had been stolen or right. taken. Right, like how? He wants yeah. to know. Yeah, and yeah. then what... what one of his security people said publicly was like, this looks like a government operation. Yes. Now we don't know what that means that the U S government, government, the Saudi government, the Russians, who knows? Don't know. Don't know. But it looks like the, the person or people or whatever IP address or whatever it was came from some sort of government entity. That's interesting. It is. And we'll, I'm sure learn more and more. And it, I mean, it's fuck. It's funny to fuck with the Washington post. <laughs> like, it's not a move I would make. No, like, like they you think really they, didn't. They're just gonna think just the, the greatest journalists on earth are just gonna go be like, oh, let's figure this out. Or Bezos will call in uh, Marty Baron uh, and you know the heads of Washington Post and be like, look, I really can't let my dick pics get out, so we're gonna have to concoct some bullshit story or bury this other story. And he apparently, you know, you may not believe this or not, but he's actually really hands off. Yes, with the post. he does yes. not. Right. Tell them how to run their they paper, wouldn't allow what to it. cover. No. No, that Marty Barron would quit. That was, yeah, no, that was part of the deal. It was like, you can own us and thanks for like making us financially solvent, but like we're still going to be the Washington Post. Yeah. We're going to cover the fuck ever we want to cover. And that includes some pretty damning stories about Amazon. And it's a good business model, too. <laughs> you know, it makes sense. Um, they're one of the last remaining vestiges of... Really great journalism. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The New York Times is shaky these days. Yes. In my opinion. They still do some great work, but man, yeah. their politics desk is a nightmare. Yes. Um, anyway. Okay. So that's Jeff Bezos. We'll just keep watching that shit. Yep. Jesus Christ. Keep your eye on, on Bezos. Do you and want to continue to talk about billionaires for a minute? Sure. Let's talk about Howard Schultz. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> this fucking guy. So I don't remember exactly. So I had to have you tell me who fucking this guy even oh, is. Oh, yeah, he had his Jeb Bush thing this week. That's what happened. Tell me who Howard Schultz is and what he's doing. Well, didn't we already cover that last week? Yeah, we know. did. Did we? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. He's right. the former CEO oh, yeah. of Starbucks. Right. And okay. He's a boring, rich-ass white billionaire who's sort of running for president on the one and only issue of please don't raise my taxes um he would also really like to not be referred to as a billionaire anymore would you know what he would like to be referred to as schmuck all billionaires it's a really offensive term (laughs) significantly like a racial slur and so he would like us to refer to billionaires this is not a joke as quote people of wealth or people of means because billionaire is a slur that's not a joke uh okay great people of wealth people of means because billionaire is a slur you want to just okay sure no what <laughs> the fuck are you talking about nobody's gonna do that like you're wait, wait, that's not the fucking point the fact that you would say i, I still can't called wrap a my head around why you would say that is a slur because it's it has such a negative connotation. He said. So he's these gonna, days. so so if I go on Twitter and I call Howard Schultz a billionaire, he's going to say like your billionaireist, your wealthist. Like what? What is the? <laughs> I don't. I don't understand. I, I. I. My. You broke my brain with that. I didn't break it. He did. 
people of wealth or people of means, please. Okay, whatever. Billionaires. I, I I can't even uh, no. But the I he, think it's fascinating. I think it's crazy. But anyway, Tuesday or Wednesday, he he was giving some boring speech and putting everybody to sleep, and he said some line about blah blah blah. You know, make something uh, things or make things better. Blah blah. And he's like, oh, come on, that, that that's an applause line. Clap. So he had his Jeb Bush, please clap moment. That's always really good for a campaign. That's how you know things are really going in the right direction when you have a please clap moment during one of your speeches. And I think he, that's much less interesting than mine, but yes. Well, no, it's interesting in that, <laughs> do, you, do you know what that means, right? It, it's way worse than... I do. Yeah. Because, look. Because nobody wants... Who, no, 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 no. Who's no. your base, it man? Mean, no, no, it's not even that. It means that the people who have showed up either because they think they like you or you paid them or whatever to sit in the room and support you are so bored they're not paying attention. Because people... Or it, your message resonates with zero people. Uh, it's The thing you thought was really mm. going to hit home, <laughs> nobody resonated with? No, they're not even So listening. they're just blinking their eyes at you. If, you're, if you show up to a Howard Schultz rally for whatever reason... What does that even mean, a Howard Schultz rally? Oh, hold on. If who's you, there? If you show up... Tell me who's there. Who shows the I, I fuck don't know, up to paid that? actors, but Josh maybe? No, not even him. Yes, no, he's all. We'll talk about that later. But well, great, we're fine. gonna get into waste your vote. But look, Howard Schultz. If you're in the in the crowd for the Howard Schultz speech when he's about to kick off his presidential campaign, like you know, there's gonna be applause lines. But if the guy speaking is so boring, you're like thinking about, oh, I gotta go get groceries later, or I gotta pick up the kids from soccer practice, or. Oh, like look at the, the 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 paint job they did in this building, and then like like uh uh, uh you're supposed to clap. Oh yeah, sorry. Like <laughs> like he's. <laughs> I mean, it's so boring. They weren't paying attention to whatever nonsense he was saying. So uh, or whatever he was saying, they were listening to, and they were like, "Is this fucking guy for real?" <laughs> did he just say that? He, Maybe they were like, you know. Starbucks is a pretty good company and like he's a billionaire like Trump like maybe he has a chance and they went in and then he starts talking and everything he says is horrifying and they're just looking at him like am I being punked right now right what are you saying well either way when you have a please clap moment it it doesn't bode well for your candidacy but his rollout has been so impressive and he's got such momentum going that CNN has decided to give him his whole town hall so won't that be excited? Won't that be highly rated? Oh boy! I'm just blinking my eyes at the microphone right now about that. What the fuck is he? What? I don't. I don't know. But if you are, if you are on the Schultz team, like, aren't you almost worried that people will actually watch it? I mean, I would be and see how terrible your candidate but is. But I wouldn't be on the Schultz team. So <laughs> who <laughs> right. is on the Schultz team? Do we know which uh, operatives are supporting this motherfucker? And Schmidt is he might, running but... as an independent? Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think that. Okay. So he has nobody working for but him. But I don't even know if he's officially announced yet. I think this is all still laying the ground. No, no, no. Stuff. He definitely has. No, no. He didn't have like a full. No, he isn't. He has not made an official announcement. Google. Let's find out. I'm very sure that he has. No, just the other day he was still like, I'm still not sure. I might announce in spring. I might announce in summer. I'm still thinking about it. I mean, I don't know. Elizabeth Warren announced today and I was like, didn't that already happen? No, Schultz did not officially announce yet. All right. I'm going to find out. But anyway, he's who cares? Like, who the fuck is going to vote? His literal platform is billionaires are being treated badly. Yes. That's his. So who's your base, man? Who literally? Who is your base? 
uh, your brother and a few other billionaires? I don't know. There's only like 30 of them. <laughs> so uh, who's your base? That very small percentage of white guys who think they are magically one day going to become billionaires and they don't want to pay too much in taxes. I know. I literally had this argument with my brother the other day about AOC's 70% tax rate, right? Uh-huh. And I explained to him the marginal tax rate and he seemed to understand it. And then I told him like, if you make over $10 million in a year, right? Everything after that, let's say you make $11 million in one year, $270,000 a day. Let's say you make over $10 million. That last million gets charged at 70%. Mm-hmm. And he's like, so how much money do I make? And he's very smart. He's a number. And I was like, so then you bring home $10,300,000. And he's like, and the government gets $700,000? And I was like, yes. Well, plus the other tax rate on the rest of your $10 million, But yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was like, that's outrageous. And I was like, why? Do you need more than $10,300,000 in a year to live? Do you need that? And he was like, that's just bullshit that the government would get $700,000 of my last million. And I was like, okay, well, then we just fundamentally <laughs> disagree. Like, we just do. He's like, yeah. that's, that's not sustainable. And I was like, no, but the thing is, it is sustainable. Because we did it for like 50 years, and it's what built the American middle class. Like, we did it for like that's 50 years. That's why we have roads and highways and right. a space program right. and the biggest military We did it for a really long time, and it was often higher than 70%. In some cases, it was 80, 82, 83, and almost up to 90% mm-hmm. since Eisenhower, up yeah. until 1980. And that $10 million is arbitrary. It could be 20 or $30 million, you know, it's. I mean, what she's proposing is $10 million, but sure. I think that's plenty. Can you imagine no, there, squeaking uh, by on $270,000 a day, Trav? And there are still those... Maybe it's 27000 Anyway, it's too much money. There are those people who feel that way, right? But they're a shrinking number. <laughs> like, I know. They're very... They're like... Uh, yeah, the Howard Schultz thing kind of amazes me that... Like, the, it's the media. They're, they're so desperate. They want so bad to have a viable third-party candidate because that's exciting to them. It's new and it's different and say, oh, both parties are bad, so here's the... And, like, they want it to happen so badly and all they have is this dull-ass, boring, billionaire jackass and it's all they got. They're like, oh, well, this is what we got. Who wants people to call candidate. him a person of wealth <laughs> because billionaire is a slur. Uh, okay, I agree. It is, but it's an earned slur. What's next on the list? All right, let's see. Let's try to go in some kind of logical, like, leading in, right? Like responsible people. Uh, if you want. Um, I mean, we can talk about the other presidential candidates if you want. Elizabeth Warren announced. I think that's boring. Uh, well, we need to talk about her a little bit. Okay. Let's because just... it, it was announced this week the right really got themselves into a lather because on her... <laughs> Uh, I, don't, I forget what state it was. Her bar certification so, thing, she wrote that she was American Indian. Also, um, there was some evidence that she did use for college admissions the idea that she was indigenous mm-hmm. to try to um, have greater access, I guess. Access um, to what? So... If you can prove, right, that you're one sixteenth Native American, there are certain colleges that will use that as part of their um, 
sort of diversity index. Mm-hmm. Um, if you now to, in order to get free college, which is something that you can absolutely do if you have tribal registration. Yeah. Um, in, at certain colleges, including one here in Colorado, um, that's a different thing. But she claimed indigenous heritage on some college applications in a way to say like I'm diverse. Okay. And that's gross. That's problematic. And problematic and she shouldn't have done that and she that's gross. And yeah. and um she's acknowledged that. She's apologized for it. I I think um you know I don't know I don't know what else to say about it other than I'm disappointed. It's gross. I hate it. I think it's terrible. I think that she should probably do some more reparations than just, oh, I was a dumb college kid. I'm sorry. Do a um, full mea culpa. But really, I think, yeah, I think not just a full, like, I'm sorry, but like uh, an examination of what that means to indigenous peoples mm-hmm. and to how that makes them feel and to how that might impact them and the sort of history of why that would be a problematic thing to do. And, and again, and, understand this is why we care. Like I, I don't care what Brit Hume says. Or I don't care Trump what president Trump says calls her Pocahontas. Like no. we care how we, you know, we talk, we talk about uh, cultural appropriation. That's why we care about mm-hmm. this. Right. I care because I, know and love indigenous people who have been harmed by white people and how how their sort of historic trauma impacts their daily lives and something like this coming out of a more progressive candidate who could possibly be the president like is very very offensive and harmful to them and I think that they could forgive her if she would try to understand that historical context and that historical trauma and, and she could have a reason, a somewhat reasonable explanation. And like, look, my grandmother told me, you know, that, you know, my great uncle was this and that would mean I was 116th. And I, you know, I, I thought that was the case and I didn't, I was not mature enough to really understand the context, the context mm-hmm. and the repercussions of making that claim. Right. And I'm, you know, terribly and, sorry. And that I was potentially trying to take the place of an actual indigenous person in this college because I wanted to get in. Right. Yeah. And so I claimed this thing that wasn't true, but I thought maybe it was true and I didn't understand what the damage that I possibly could have done. Right. Or even if I thought it was true, I didn't, you know, think through the whole repercussions. Right. That that I wasn't actually an indigenous person. I wasn't raised that way. I didn't experience the world that way. That was not how I was raised. That was not, I, 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 she needs needs to do that rather than just hoping it goes away. Right. I contain privilege that was not. If she, if she lays it all out there like that. Yes. And it says everything she did and every piece of paper she signed that said that and what that might mean, then she can get past it. If not, it'll nod her from all sides and, and it'll be problematic. I, I think it's going to be so that's potentially really fucking damaging. And that's the thing I think we're in this moment right now of, look, everybody's done fucked up shit. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, okay. Own it. Let's talk about it. And be fucking honest about it. And no more of this... Old school days of politicians, you know, hiring fixers and trying to make it go away. Shit's not going to go away. Like we're in right, a place or being right glib now. About it. Like right. like Northam, his one and only chance, I thought, was if he had that presser and just was just full on apologetic. I was an idiot kid. I that is not me anymore. This is despicable. It is deplorable. I have no excuse. You know, it's I grew up just in Virginia, terrible. which has yeah. a really rich racial history. And instead, history, the and motherfucker almost moonwalked. Yeah. His wife had to like stop him. So that shows you where he is. Yes. Right? Yes. So uh, 
we'll, we'll see what happens with Warren. I like Warren a lot, and she'd be, she'd be near the top of my list, but she's she's got to fix this. She does. If she can. Yeah. If she can. She's got to try. Yeah. If she doesn't try, then she's not at the top of my list. Nope. Now, uh, that being said, yeah. I will vote for whoever the Democratic candidate is. Uh, obviously. Obvs. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just say that every week. <laughs> right. Unless it's but like we, just we are required to be critical of our people. That's the point of the primary process. Yes. But this is a thing she needs to fix. Yep. Okay, on that note, we're going to take a quick break. So much more to get to. We'll try to get to it all. Uh, Don't go anywhere. Be right back. testimony we got 27 hours worth of shit to get to in the next 45 <laughs> minutes uh, and we're gonna start by taking a detour with shit that pissed rachel off during the break is that right yeah all right and it's it. not technically a detour because we already had to talk about her for reasons other than this but uh alexandria ocasio-cortez is just fucking killing it in congress we can agree oh yeah i mean People who are like, well, she's just all style and no substance. Um, watch, everybody's talking about the Green New Deal. Watch some shit that she's done and let's talk about the Green New Deal. But there's this thing I was reading. Mm-hmm. This comes from the Washington Post. A Dallas area elected official has apologized after calling Rep. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez a bimbo <laughs> in a now deleted tweet directed at the congresswoman. Well, his, whole, Scott, his whole Twitter is gone. No, yeah, his entire Twitter is gone. He's very brave. Yes, very the strength of his convictions. Mm-hmm. Scott Dunn, a member of the city council in Richardson, Texas, replied to Ocasio Cortez on Twitter with the offending remarks, including images, according to images of the tweet that circulated online. Yeah. The embarrassment is to have bimbos like you with nothing between your ear. Dunn wrote. Ear singular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't even spell spell so it right. Ear, what? Which ear? I'm not sure. Between which ear? How do you get between an ear? Two ears, I think, is what he meant. She mean, does he mean she has earwax? What is he trying to say? He's she's a bimbo, baby. <laughs> who says bimbo? bimbo? Uh, old white men who think they're really landing a punch. It's unclear to which of the congresswoman's tweets he was responding. As of Saturday morning, Dunn's Twitter account was deactivated. Yeah, very brave. He later said he was trying to defend President Trump after the State of the Union address. The day after the speech, Ocasio-Cortez called the event an embarrassment after some criticized her for not applauding Trump and looking sullen. So Peggy Noonan Uh said... And good-natured with the white jackets, who I see some on Twitter calling the straight jackets. AOC had a rare bad night. 
looking not spirited and warm, and original, as usual, but sullen, teenaged, and at a loss. Uh To which AOC replied, Why should I be spirited and warm for this embarrassment of an SOTU? Tonight was an unsettling night for our country. The president failed to offer any plan, any vision at all for our future. We're flying without a pilot, and I'm not here to comfort anyone about that fact. (laughs) Boy, they just can't, they just haven't learned yet, have they? Our parents' generation. Like, you, you, you. Don't want to tangle. I don't think with you want to fuck with her. Don't on fuck social with media. Her. She's just better than you. It never ends well. And yeah, she didn't never. stand up and she didn't clap, even when other Democrats stood up and clapped because yeah. of exactly what she just said. I'm not trying to be like, oh, that was a good line. No, he's a fucking nightmare garbage person, and I'm not going to clap for anything he says because he's just nightmare. Yeah, it's the first time I feel represented. Like she's right? just like no. And sullen and teenager is just like such coded language for like young person, brown person, woman, mm-hmm. like warm and spirited is how she should well, be. They, they Did just, they criticize men for being not warm and spirited about for Obama, Trump? Yeah, or yelling Anyone ever? Well, you know, um, it's amazing how she gets in their heads and they first they try to be like, oh, she, why does she, why is everybody making a big deal? She's got too much coverage. She's nothing. She's a freshman congressperson. She'll probably, you know, who cares? And then, but they can't stop talking about her and giving right. her bigger spotlights right. and engaging with her. So like she is, but also deep in their brains. She is, but also she is really good. You know, yeah. she is really like when we talk about, this new Congress and electing people that we really believe in and people who are going to do things like she's that person. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think why they hate her the most. There was also a picture that was circulated earlier this week of her walking in uh, to the state of the union in her white dress. Um, I had a friend of mine text me and be like, why are all these people dressed in white? Do you have a a in on that? And I was like, Oh, it's the suffragettes. And I had to explain, which is cute. Um, But She's like walking down this hallway and there's like all these like young white dude interns, right? Who are like looking at her and looking very dismayed and she is not looking at them at all. She's just walking like a fucking boss. And there was many, many memes made out of that picture. Most of them being like, you know, when you don't give a fuck, uh, when you've met someone who doesn't give a fuck who your dad is, like just a lot of memes were made about the picture and it was lovely. Uh, so I guess we should talk briefly about the state of the union. Neither of us watched it because why the (laughs) fuck would we? I haven't watched a state of the union since Obama in 2010. I I watched all of his. I've not watched one since, uh, this man is the supposed president. I I don't even watch the Democrats. Um, They're boring as hell. I I watched Obama's because I just loved watching him speak. I just, it just was so good. Um, there was some controversy, though, yeah, about the response. About so, Stacey Abrams' response? No, about Bernie Sanders. Oh, right. That's right. I totally forgot. He did He did a, a sequel response. So response response. originally, Bernie Sanders was going to do his response to the State of the Union separate from the Democrats on YouTube at the, at the exact time, same time as yeah, Stacey to com- Abrams. To compete with Abrams. And they talked him out of And that. everybody yelled at him. And he was like, no, 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 no. That was a misunderstanding. I'm doing mine directly after. Okay. Which is no fucking better. 
here we have this extraordinary woman. I fucking love her. Incredibly accomplished, incredibly qualified, brilliant black woman who's going to give the response, the democratic response to the State of the Union. Mm-hmm. And he just is like, yeah, but she's probably not going to like do good enough. So I got to do one, too. And his supporters have come at me. I'm getting a lot of hate about this because I hate him. And they're like, well, he's doing it after her. And, you know, like he's always done this every year. And, you know, it's, it's just this thing that he does. And it's like, no, just maybe. because it's a thing he has done doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Maybe you just shut the fuck up. Maybe you sit down and you shut second. up and you let the black lady say the right things. And then you just let it sit there. And you don't have to maybe say something else. Maybe there's not more things to be said. Maybe she can say the things and then you can shut the fuck up and sit down. And I had some people who I'm very close to who very much love him who agreed with me that like this moment is a moment where like he can he can and should shut the fuck up and sit down. Like mm-hmm. this is not the moment for Bernie Sanders. It is such bad optics considering, you know his problem with addressing the fact that racism exists because it's all just really classism. Um, well, that's a, that's a ploy to get right. And sexism doesn't really exist because it's just classism to get white that people. a black woman gave the response. And he was like, I'm sure that she's not going to do a complete job. Let me finish. And I'll go on after her. It's just a fucking bad look. Right. That's even that's, if that's not what he thinks, that's how it looks. It is. And black women, by the way, they they hear that loud and clear, loud and clear. And that, that you think they didn't watch that and go, oh, yeah, she didn't say it right. You're going to fix what she said. You're right. going to add right. more. You think that she didn't do and before that she even the, said a fucking word. You already decided she wasn't going to say it. And that is the demographic he got slaughtered in. Yep. In 20, in the 2016 primary. And again, we're, we're saying this from the standpoint of, yeah, we, we feel this way, but also like where where's his team? Where's his advisors saying like this is not a good look? Because it's not. No, even his right. most ardent supporters who are friends of mine have said to me, he should not have done that. <sighs> he should shit shut up. He should stop. And Had it been someone else, maybe. But like the fact that it was Stacey Abrams, sh- go away, little man. Well, that's what go the fuck away. That's what they just his people refuse to absorb and accept. Like. What he, what he, if he was serious about running up for president, which I, he's gonna run, he's gonna announce soon again. But if he was mm-hmm. serious about winning, like he would have been courting the core of the party, black women voters, this whole time. And instead, he's he's doing the same shit he did before, even yep. worse. Yep. He's alienating them even more. Yep. And because, and like, it, for just from a tactical perspective, like. There aren't enough places like Colorado that have just opened up the primaries everywhere. I guess they have in in certain places that he's going to get all these crossover, you know, independent or right leaning white people to vote for him. Maybe he thinks he is. They'd have to affiliate with the Democrats first. Yeah. um, In most places, unlike Colorado. And most people agree that he's not really affiliated with the Democrats at this point. Well, that's the thing. I mean, we keep if going you're going to run as a Democrat, right? why do you need to do a separate State of the Union response? Right. Why? Well, then they're like, well, that's the only way he can win. I'm like, well, that's okay. Well, then if he's going to be part well, of the party, that then he he's going to be part of the party. But he already did that and he lost. So he wants to have his cake and eat it too. Yeah. We'll run as a Democrat, but not. But shit all over Democrats and all not day be long. part of the party. And, and black women. That's yeah. a really good way to win the Democratic primary. 
Shit on Democrats and black women. Well, that's another thing that I think his people don't understand, and a lot of people in the media that are excited about him don't understand, is that Bernie's just going to be an also-ran this time. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to be there. He's going to be, with the 10 or 15 viable candidates, he's going to be somewhere in the middle of the pack at best. I really believe that. I believe it, too. Like, you know, uh, socialism is no longer a dirty word. Right. Uh, certainly those ideas. He's not some kind of radical reformist you know anymore. What? So, so kudos to him if you want to believe he pushed, he, he, he got the party there. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. But I think that that's true. I think he did. He just doesn't know when his own ego got a hold of him. Right. And he had to stop doing the things that he's doing. Like, I... We caucused for, we had a fucking dinner party at our house caucusing for Bernie Sanders, mm-hmm. right? People forget that. The people that we yell at me ca- on Twitter. Right, we caucused for him. We we were all in for Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. And then he just stopped being the person I thought he was, and he revealed himself to be the person he is today. Yeah. And now, I want him to go the fuck away. I want him to stop doing anything in the I want I don't even care if he's a fucking senator anymore. Well, it's all lining up like it did before, right? Uh it, it, but it's not a binary thing this time, but it's definitely lining up that they are gonna him and his people are gonna, you know, want to try to burn it down again and And I want to be really clear about the difference between that and what I think I do and what I think we do, which mm-hmm. is to be critical of every candidate who comes forth, which is yes. to be really clear about what is their record, what is their policy position, what have they done, what is their experience, because I think that the point of a primary is not to attack people, but is to say, this person is you know problematic on this point, this person is going to have a problem with uh-huh. Voters on this thing, this person is problematic I don't because of this. I don't this, agree yeah. with their right. It's there's it's no a, perfect candidate. By no, the way. there isn't. It's a, it's it's a process of identifying the things that you like about certain people and the things that they need to, to work talk on. about. Yeah. Or like in Kamala Harris's case, it's her record for me, right? As yeah. a prosecutor. Yes. In Elizabeth Warren's case, it's her history about this indigenous people's thing. Um, with Klobuchar, for, it could be that she threw <clears throat> things at her subordinates. Right. I don't know about that. Gildebrand has some um, homophobic stuff in her past. Cory Booker has some ties to money that yes. are problematic. Yes. He is still my favorite candidate. Yeah. Um, he announced he had a girlfriend this week because apparently literally the American people cannot <laughs> elect someone who doesn't have like a fucking differently sexed partner. Um, or or, or, or a, some kind of partner. You know, I think at this point, if an openly gay person, like if they were if they were single and out there being a single gay person, that that would be too much for, you know. A lot of people think Cory Booker is gay and I would just go on record saying I do not. Believe no, that we, that's we, true. we know he's not. I believe that that is not true. No. Um, well, we we got firsthand info that he wasn't. I Didn't do. He? I ha- I have personal um, anecdotal experience that that is not the case. <laughs> okay. Um, we'll leave it there. Yes. Don't don't at me, Booker campaign. <laughs> no, but he is still my favorite candidate um, so far. Um, and you know, I I got into an argument the other day with a friend of mine about Kamal Harris. Just that, like, you know. That record, and they we were like, like her, and she's a fine candidate, but she's not perfect, and she, right. and we need. And we're like, that's very surprising to me. It's shocking to me that you would put down a black woman, and I'm like, that's not what I'm doing. No, it's nothing to do and with. If it. you knew me better, you knew it nothing would not be surprising that I have issues 
with Kamala Harris's record as a prosecutor. <laughs> Just prosecutors in general. And then specifically her record as a prosecutor in yeah. the state of California. Um, no, there's stuff she needs to answer for and explain. That I'm not backing off on that. And I, look, I know that goes contrary to a lot of our Daily Coast friends who have kind of picked her as their favorite. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the people we share the airwaves with and, and we're friends with and are like, they try to minimize a lot of that. And, oh, no, she didn't really. Her mm. record as a prosecutor mm. isn't that bad. And it's like, mm. no, 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 we're going to have to disagree there. No. It's and we're, and we're not saying we're going to burn down the world if she's the candidate. No, of course I'll vote for her if she's the candidate. But, but I would prefer that that not be the things. case. I would prefer that that not be the case. She's not our first choice. Not my first choice. Okay. We can live with that. Yeah. Um, who's your first choice? I don't know yet. I'm yeah. going to be honest. Like, uh, first of all, a lot of the not everybody in the field is even going to announce probably till the summer i mean we can assume who's gonna write like, yeah more Bernie, or less the, I, i'm the, not i'm the, not sure i i still like warren i like joaquin castro i don't think he's gonna you know finish right. high enough to be i agree i like uh, him too he's he's angling for a vp slot i agree um, that's what he should be realistically you know i beto uh you know what i like beto i'm not as you know, super keen on him as maybe everybody else's. I, I, I think he's got electability, but... I think, again, VP. Yeah, he'd be a good VP option, perhaps. Especially because um, he's got that sort of, like, fiery little bit to him. So does Castro. You never the want your is VP always, to like, overshadow the, you, But you, the VP's supposed to be the bulldog, right? The, like, go after them in a way right, that the candidate right. can't. Like Agnew was mm-hmm. All of them, Biden right? kind of was. <clears throat> right? And so... Well, not always. George H.W. Bush was not, was not a bulldog. Beto, no, fuck no. God, he's nothing. He's a fucking void of space. Um, but, so, I don't know. I, we'll see where things go. And, you know, I'm not tied to anyone... I do love Cory Booker. I've loved him for a very long time. Um, yeah, Booker's up there for me. If you, I, I'm, if you I'm don't honestly know not a lot sure about yet. Cory Booker. There's really a couple of really good documentaries that you should watch. Uh, one is called Brick City, mm-hmm. and then the follow-up to Brick City. I don't remember the name of it, um, but he's a pretty good person. Yeah. Um, but the rest, I mean, I, you know, I think it's a good field. I think all of them have problem areas and all of them have really great things and I don't think there's a lot of sunlight between most of them on policy. I can tell you who's near the bottom of my list and you'll disagree on one of them, Bernie and Biden. And no. not just because they're old white men. No, I just don't disagree with you at all. They're both at the very, very bottom of my list. Yeah. Very bottom. Like, I think I've like hit my like, I'm good. Like, I'm good on old white dudes. I don't We've know if Biden's them. actually going to run. I think I don't. I, I don't think he's got his heart in it. I think he feels like he should, and I would like to have a conversation with him to explain that he shouldn't, <laughs> because I feel like he feels like compelled to in some way yeah, that he couldn't before, and and yeah. and that like maybe he is the best candidate, and I just want to be like, you know, you're lovely, and I love you, and please don't, just don't, no. you know, let's just we're not there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, what is next on the list? Okay, so... um, Oh, I do need to do an update about the New York prison. With yes. The, the freezing. Okay, mm-hmm. so we talked about this last week. MDC in New York City um, had this uh, fire that caused a power outage that created a situation where... Prisoners had no warm food, no heat, um, no warm water, 
no access to their lawyers, no access to their families um, for a period of about 10 days. So what has come out most recently is that um, the warden of the prison and the Bureau of Prisons were lying to federal judges about the conditions inside of the prison. And that has come out because of a series of events that resulted in a couple of the inmates' lawyers suing um, and asking for an emergency um, either release or transfer of their clients to a different prison because of the conditions. So they went before a federal judge, Ana Torres, who uh, heard testimony from one of the attorneys who went to the prison after a protracted battle of them saying like you're not allowed to do that and no and we're not having any sort of that happening and then they got an order and they allowed her to go in and so she went in and then they she went in with one of the um federal uh prosecutors who's like the basically state's lawyer right the bureau of prisons lawyer and they went and toured the prison and it was exactly as the prisoners had described so she then went to this hearing, this emergency uh, release and or transfer hearing, and talked to this judge and was telling them, like, not, here's what my clients have told me, but, like, offering direct testimony about what the conditions in the prison were like. And in an unprecedented move, the judge decided to hold the hearing not in the courthouse, but in the prison, which allowed her to have access to the prison during the time of this power outage. Mm-hmm. So the judge brought a court reporter with her and said, record everything that happens. Everything everyone says, everything that I tell you, just record everything, just like you would be in a regular court of law, right? Um, Not the court reporter's own sort of testimony about it, but whatever the judge says or whatever the lawyers say, just write it down exactly as if we were in a court of law. Mm -hmm. So the judge goes in and finds that... um, All of the things that the Bureau of Prisons has told the uh, judicial branch is wrong, is lies, that the uh, conditions in the prison are exactly the way that the inmates have described it and that the defense had described it, that people were in freezing cells um, with water running through, like running like as like a waterfall down into their cells, soaking their beds, soaking their blankets. They had no um, heat. They had no blankets. Their beds were covered in water. They mm. had no warm food. Um, they were, uh, there was one inmate who um, told the judge that uh, his uh, cellmate had had like serious mental health issues. And as a result of like, after like five days of this, like no access to like any sort of basic survival things, um, he decided to hang himself in the cell. And mm. this, um, cellmate had to take the noose out of his hand and physically restrain him after he had told the guards multiple times like this person is suicidal this person is experiencing something really bad he had to like physically restrain his own cellmate from killing himself in front of him Mm. another person who was being held there um had a gunshot wound that had um not like had initially been treated before he got to the prison and since his time in the prison had not yet been treated and so his wound was sitting there with pus coming out of it through the cotton because it hadn't been changed in over a week. Mm. Um, 
there were people who uh, the toilets didn't work because they were frozen. Mm. Um, I mean, it was absolutely the worst conditions that you could possibly imagine on the planet. And it's happening inside the United States of America in a prison with taxpayer dollars. And the Bureau of Prisons told this court and other courts in this circuit multiple times heat has not been affected. Warm meals are being provided. Adequate medical care is being provided. So basically they lied mm-hmm. to these judges, which judges don't take kindly to. So did the judges hold any, any of these people in contempt and throw them in jail? No. They're so all in jail? That would have been just. Put them in that fucking jail. Yeah. yeah. Put It'd them in perfect. that fucking jail. And then you tell me that conditions are just fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the uh, correctional officers told one of the patients uh, or the prisoners the one with the gunshot wound that's above my pay grade another one had colitis which was untreated people who had sleep apnea were going without their CPAP machines for Mm -hmm. weeks um, which could be potentially deadly Um, and all of the guards were just like I don't like fuck you I don't care and I can't help you but then some of the guards also testified like this is what's going on this is what's happening and the Bureau of Prisons and the warden consistently told the judges and the court like no it's not what's happening mm-hmm. at one point they provided a spreadsheet to the judge that was like here's the temperatures in the cells and the judge was like i don't believe anything that you're saying to me nothing that's come out of the bureau of prisons or from your office has been ac- accurate as far as i can tell so like nothing that you're saying works for me so there's been emergency injunctions um extra funding the heat's been restored but heads are gonna fucking roll they better and people are gonna get charged with perjury you um, would imagine right right i mean things are gonna like, it's a continuing thing um, yeah we're gonna keep our eye on it and, and try to stay up to date yeah yeah um but this is a thing that i talked about before anybody else was talking about it because i know people who live in new york city who are dealing with this and and this is thank god uh sort of become a national story and then finally these prisoners are being tended to i would say that is absolutely a humanitarian crisis what's happening in that jail, but I would also say that what is happening in all of the jails and prisons in this country is a humanitarian crisis. This one just included not having heat. Agreed. What's next? I want you to talk about the Houston police. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, it's a don't real mean, fun story. It's uh, not fun at all. Okay, so uh, there was a guy, an Army veteran guy, I forget his name, him and his wife were basically accused of being heroin dealers. This is somewhere in the suburbs of Houston. And in order to confirm this and get a warrant for a raid from a judge, they arranged an undercover buy where wherein they send somebody. Send you know, in a snitch, essentially. Send in a snitch. And it very often is like somebody who's turned state's evidence. It doesn't even have to be on the same crime. It can be on something else. A cooperating witness. A cooperating witness to go in and do a buy and then they catch him in the act. And then, you know, that's how they bust a lot of these dealers. So they supposedly did that. They got the snitch to do the buy and then they raided this guy's house. A guy was armed. Him and his wife got in in a shootout with police both uh, suspects were killed, and up to five officers were wounded, some seriously. When the officers went in, they went in without knocking. They yeah, went no in without raid. any cover. They got a warrant for a no-knock raid. They came in, though, and like they wanted to be so quiet as to not notify anyone that they were coming in, that they came in and shot the dog immediately so that it wouldn't 
bark. Well, you're going to hear the gunshot if you don't hear the dog bark. Unless there's a silencer. Maybe you hear it. No, maybe you don't. No, you, anyway. There's no silence. Shot the dog. Yeah. Went in. Shot the couple. Couple shot back. Yeah. Firefight. Uh, mm-hmm. Extended firefight. And what'd uh, they find? Uh, well, now it turns out that they they found no heroin whatsoever. And it looks like the supposed uh, buy with the snitch to get the warrant actually never happened. So the immediate aftermath was this. There were people that were very suspicious of how this went down, and they were speaking up about it. And the police union spokesperson basically threatened anybody who, who tried to look into this or ask questions. Uh, publicly threatened. Publicly on Twitter, right? He yeah. was like... As the head of the police union, I'm going to make a list of anyone who makes any anti-police remarks in social media or publicly, Mm -hmm. and we will come after you. Yeah. Says the head of the police union of Houston about this case. Well, that didn't intimidate everybody, and the press stayed on it, and now there's internal investigations, and this is a big, this is a huge thing. Uh, And, you know, just another day in the life of cops being cops. This is not... A unique thing for the Houston Police Department. This is not a unique thing uh, to set up these scam buys or try to set somebody up that maybe uh, cops don't like for some reason or some other. So keep your eye on this one. This is going to be really interesting. And uh, Art Acevedo, uh, chief of police, is on it now. And he has been pretty good comparatively on a lot of certain things, especially like gun violence. So there is some hope that they will actually, maybe this will be a legit investigation. And I think what's interesting about this is that if, to your point, we were talking in the car the other day, had this just been a case of police raiding a residence, finding nothing, they found like a little bit of pot and like some some powder, powder maybe might have been been cocaine, but certainly not like any sort of like um, dealing operation, right? That if that had happened, fine. But what had happened was that so many police officers were harmed during the course of this right. investigation. And that, 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 that caused people to ask questions. By the actions of other police officers that people are like, hold on, what happened? Yeah, yeah. Like five cops are like dead or injured? Now like, it's going to get mm, ugly. Right? With a fake, uh, a fake buy set a up fake and, a, buy. and an illegitimate warrant. And what my question is, and I said this to you and I'll say it here, is I'm really interested to know who the person was that they targeted. Mm-hmm. Because... It's not like this was not a thing that was just like done for fun or like just a random guy. They there was initial reporting that they got the wrong house and the police came out and said, no, 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 this was the right house. This was exactly the house we wanted to target. And the fact that nothing was found and then it was this guy. I don't know who this guy is, but I'm telling you right now, my prediction is that this guy is in some way entangled in something having to do with that police department and or some of those police officers who were involved Yep, that he knows something or that like to your point maybe he like fucked one of their wives or like something is going on but this person was targeted intentionally Mm -hmm. and it's not because he was a drug dealer we know that now (laughs) so it's something else and i would like to know what that something else is yeah hopefully we'll find out that's Uh, the thing that i'm waiting for watch for the texas tribune they're good maybe dallas morning news there there are some good publications in texas that that cover these things so yeah Okay, what else we got? Um, well, I want to talk about white people and their taxes. <laughs> white people. Oh, is that? Uh, 
Okay. Is this, you, well, it's going to affect us too, probably. Yeah. But the, it's going to affect everybody. The Trump uh, tax plan that that they were high-fiving about and that the, the media called a big win for Trump, while people like us were screaming, like, have you actually looked at the numbers? This is going to fuck horrible, a lot of people. It's horrible, it's horrible, it's horrible, horrible. Well, now guess what? People are realizing it's tax it's time. Everyone's got their W-2s and we're going on TurboTax and so we're filing make, our tax returns. To make a long story short, on? because everybody's taxes are different, but for a lot of people, especially, you know, middle class type people, they were, they saw a small bump in their take home pay mm-hmm. and now they're getting crushed on their returns. Yes. Uh, wherein they would undoubtedly get a big return or at least a positive return of some kind. Now, either that return is wiped out or they're actually owing money. Owing money. So many people are reporting that they, for the first time in their lives, owe the IRS money. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these people happen to be Trump supporters. And they're oh, yeah. like outraged. I mean, outraged. Yeah. Like this, this story isn't getting enough coverage. It's not, think. and like it's crazy. Like it, some of them are still nuts, and they're like, "Well, I got like an extra, you know, seven hundred dollars or three hundred dollars this year, but I do owe the IRS a thousand dollars, and it's the first <laughs> time I've ever owed the IRS money." And you're like, "Oh, good math there." So, right. it's, so it's fine that you got more, like twenty five bucks a month. Really made a difference, but owing a thousand dollars in January is fine. Mm-hmm. But most people are really fucking pissed. Um, there's widespread reports of people being like, "I've never owed anything. I don't know how to pay this. I've always used my tax return as like, you know, a savings account. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what They've to do. I, I thought it, yeah. that I was going to be able to pay this bill with this money, and now I owe money, and I'm fucked. And what the fuck did he do? And like, it's it's something that like, you know." You can be all for Trump and wear your MAGA hat and all the things for all the wrong reasons. But when you hit people's pocketbooks, they get real mad. Well, you know, part of that is on the media. And this is what we were screaming about. They were just screaming about the pure politics of this. Like, is Trump right. going to get his win? And it's, he's going to. Who fucking cares? It's not a horse race. This is actual people's money. And like, we're trying to scream about, let's talk about what is actually in this bill yes. and what it means. Yes. But nobody wanted to do that. No. And now, guess what? People are so upset. And they didn't know. And it's not like this is a thing we got to vote on, right? Oh, no, no. Like, it's not a referendum. Y'all it's... motherfuckers voted these Republicans in office and voted Trump in office. And then they did the thing they told you they were going to do. And then they did it. And then it was bad, just like we told you. And now you're like, oh, it was bad. We yeah. didn't know. And you're like, no, okay. And then on the heels of that, Howard Schultz runs on don't raise my don't taxes. Don't raise taxes on <laughs> billionaires and people, please call us people of wealth. It's the perfect storm, <laughs> right? Oh, my God. So I think that's interesting. And it is interesting. And, you know, and I mean, like people are just starting, you know, it's right. It's, we're just we're barely in February. Tax day isn't so for a- another April. month and a half. Yeah. Some people won't even get their returns. I will tell you, though, like come people starting to really announce and starting to really run for office this summer after this, it's going to be a top question. It better be. What the fuck? I lost my house. I got evicted. I can't pay this medical bill. I can't pay this other bill. I can't pay this IRX tax bill. I don't know what to do. Like, my kid can't go to college. Like, serious economic impacts are going to be had to people who voted for Donald Trump. And it's not just going to come down on him. It's going to come down on congressional Republicans. Yeah. And it should. And we told you, we fucking told you before this fucking tax bill got passed, like, this is awful. It's going to affect everyone, Mm -hmm. including us. Yeah. 
I mean, I have never counted on a big tax return. No, I never even consider it because I just never know. I'm I'm not smart enough to no, like no, figure I, out how much money. I usually I just go always, with like, take take out the most, take out the most, and, and like whatever if, I get back is what I get back. But as long as I don't owe anything, that's always my thing. Yeah. This year I might owe. Yeah. I don't know. Don't know. We don't know. We'll, we'll know soon. We'll let you know what we owe. Uh, we're we certainly not going to get as good a return as we got in past years, though. No. And so, who did this tax plan benefit? Very rich people. Yeah. Because trickle down economics. People of wealth, Trev. People, people of, wealth. of wealth. Yeah. Not billionaires. Not those 30 people. Mm. So that's, that's happening. And like, I think, I was thinking about my parents and I was like, are they going to be like pissed about this? But they've been so through so much sort of change this year mm-hmm. in terms of like their living situation and their work situation that they'll probably just like write it off as like, oh, it's us. Mm-hmm. Right? Maybe. But... I don't know. What about Josh? Yeah. How about Josh? Hey. He's going to be real upset. Mm. And then you'd be like, well, well, don't worry. I'm not going to, you know, don't worry. You can vote to not raise Howard Schultz's taxes on his $11 million. Right. So, so what you, fine. what Trump did was raise your taxes, but Howard Schultz's taxes got lowered. So you still want to talk about billionaires being protected or do you want to not pay that $3,000 tax bill? Because that's what, when you vote for shit like that, that's what it means. But that's what it takes. Right. For people to, no, to that's get, exactly get right. It. That's exactly right. It sounds like a good idea. And then you have a $3,000 tax bill and you don't know how to pay it. Yeah. And you go, what the fuck did you do? I thought Republicans were supposed to lower taxes. And you're like, they did lower taxes <laughs> for rich for people. You. But you're not a rich person. So your taxes got raised. All right. What else we got from the couple minutes we got left? Roger Stone. <laughs> what? Uh, uh, no. Okay. Next. Uh, John Dingle. Yeah. Okay. You want to read the thing? Uh, if we, I don't know that we have time. It's really I, short. I, I will encourage you to read it. If if not, but let me. Um, it's short. Let me. Try so John to... Dingle, I didn't know who he was. I longest. Uh, Ask Travis. Longest. Um, serving. Serving member of Congress. From Michigan, he was great on uh, uh, so many wonderful issues. I think that you said like he clean was one air, of the greatest Congress people ever to. He absolutely was be in Congress, it, it, and I think that this little piece that he he died right. So this is like he yesterday. related this to his wife, um, who then gave it to I think the Washington Post. Yeah, um, and it's an it's an op ed, and I think it's lovely. And since Travis knew more about him than I did, I thought he should read it. Okay. Uh, John Dingell, a Michigan Democrat who served in the U.S. House from 1955 to 2015, was the longest-serving member of the Congress in American history. He dictated these reflections to his wife, Debbie Dingell, who is also in Congress, at their home in Dearborn on February 7th, uh, the day he died, which was actually Thursday. One of the advantages to knowing that your demise is imminent and that reports of it will not be greatly exaggerated is that you have a few moments to compose some parting thoughts. In our modern political age, the presidential bully pulpit seems dictated to sowing division and denigrating, often in the most irrelevant and infantile personal terms, the political opposition. And much as I have found Twitter to be a useful means of expression, some occasions merit more than 280 characters. My personal and political character was formed in a different era that was kinder, if not necessarily gentler. We observed modicums of respect even as we fought, often bitterly and savagely, over issues that were literally life and death to a degree that, fortunately, we see much less of today. Think about it. Impoverishment of elderly because of medical expenses was a common and often accepted occurrence 
Opponents of the Medicare program that saved the elderly from that cruel fate called it socialized medicine. Remember that slander if there's a sustained revival of silly red baiting today. Not five decades ago, much of the largest group of freshwater lakes on Earth, our own Great Lakes, were closed to swimming and fishing and other recreational pursuits because of chemical and bacteriological contamination from untreated industrial and wastewater disposal. Today, the Great Lakes are so hospitable to marine life that one of our biggest challenges is controlling the invasive species that have made them their new home. We regularly used and consumed foods, drugs, chemicals, and other things, like cigarettes, that were legal, promoted, and actively harmful. Hazardous wastes were dumped on every on empty plots in the dead of night. There were few, if any, restrictions on industrial emissions. We had only the bare scientific knowledge of the long-term consequences of any of this. And there was a great stain on America in the form of our legacy of racial discrimination. There were good people of all colors who banded together, risking and even losing their lives to erase the legal and other barriers that held Americans down. In their time, they were often demonized and targeted, much like other vulnerable men and women today. Please note, all of these challenges were addressed by Congress, Maybe not as fast as we wanted or as perfectly as hoped. The work is certainly not finished, but we've made progress. And in every case, from the passage of Medicare through the passage of civil rights, we did it with support of Democrats and Republicans who considered themselves first and foremost to be Americans. I'm immensely proud and eternally grateful for having had the opportunity to play a part in all of these efforts during my service in Congress, and it's simply not possible for me to adequately repay the love that my friends, neighbors, and family have given me and shown me during my public service and retirement. But I would be remiss in not acknowledging the forgiveness and sweetness of the woman who has essentially supported me for almost 40 years, my wife Deborah, and it is a source of great satisfaction to know that she is among the largest group of women to have ever served in Congress as she busily recruits more. In my life and career, I have often heard it said that so-and-so has real power, as in the powerful Wiley E. Coyote, chairman of the Capture the Roadrunner Committee. It's an expression that has always grated on me. In democratic government, elected officials do not have power. They hold power in trust for the people who elected them. If they misuse or abuse that public trust, it is quite properly revoked. The quicker, the better. I never forget the people who gave me the privilege of representing them. It was a lesson learned at home from my father and mother, and one I have tried to impart to the people I've served with and employed over the years. As I prepare to leave this all behind, I now leave you in control of the greatest nation of mankind and pray God gives you the wisdom to understand the responsibility you hold in your hands. May God bless you all and may God bless America. And that is the obituary for John Dingle. Written by himself. Written by himself. His dying words. Yeah. All right. That's going to do it for us at Irreverent Duo on Twitter, Irreverent Testimony at gmail.com. We will be back next week and God only knows um, <laughs> naked clown pictures of somebody in Congress. Somebody's dick, probably. Somebody's dick, whatever. <laughs> See you next week. Bye. Bye.